Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Secret gold vaults in Asia, offshore bank accounts in tax havens, investing in timber plantations in Central America, obtaining a second passport, speaking multiple languages, and first-class travel around the world excite you, then you must pick up a copy of my brand new book, Expat Secrets, on Amazon today. Just go to expatsecretsbook.com. That's expatsecretsbook.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. And today's guest is the creator of Family Adventure Academy, an annual live event for families interested in long-term travel, location independence, alternative education, entrepreneurship, community, deepening family relationships, and more. With his wife and three children, they have been traveling the world for the past 10 years, visiting over 40 countries and world schooling their children along the way. Please welcome to the show, Brandon Pierce. Brandon, how are you? Great, Mikhail. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. So, Brandon, why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell me, how did you get into world schooling and, and your journey of visiting all over the world with your kids? This is super exciting stuff. Yeah, thank you. We started about 10 years ago, and we were living just kind of a normal life in the States. I had created an, on, an online business that I built up to a level where it could kind of support us uh, and reached a point where we realized, well, we could do this from anywhere. Why do we want to stay here in the States when we've always wanted to travel? We wanted to give our kids a more enriching experience of life and also open our own eyes to what else is out there in the world, different ways to live and think and be. And so it was around 2009, I believe, we kind of decided to test the waters a little bit to see how it would feel. And so we took a six-week trip to Panama together, just the the four of us at the time. And we had just the most amazing bonding experience together that we, when we came back, we just decided we've got to figure out how to make this work longer term. And, you know, at first we kind of wondered, well, maybe we can make it work back at home and we can kind of have the same wonderful bonded feeling that we have being together 24-7 in all these new environments. But it just wasn't the same. So we quickly, just within a few months, made the preparations to sell our house and sell all our stuff. And we just were ready to let go and branch out into a new life. So our first destination was Costa Rica. That's where 
we kind of set up a, a more long-term home. We were there for about a year and a half. And our third daughter, Asia, was born there. And since then, yeah, we, we moved on to Asia and to Europe and to many other countries around the world and have just been, yeah, it's, it's kind of a constant, um, a constant opportunity to look inward and figure out what it is that's meaningful to us, what it is we want to create in our lives, what is the next step for us. It's not, we just want to travel the world because we love travel and that's it. We do love travel, but there are also times when we're totally burned out on travel and we just want to stay in one place and we'll do that. So for us, it's really about intentional living. This is, is, has become an adventure for us in exploring ourselves and each other more deeply in the context of this globe that we live in. Intentional living. Okay, I want to break. I want to get into that in a minute, but break down a little bit more of the history for me. So, before you moved to Costa Rica, were you homeschooling your kids, or were they in traditional education, or how did that look at the time? Well, our kids were pretty young before we started traveling. They were five and three, and they were in preschool. So they that's all. And and we had only intentions to continue the traditional education model. We were going to put them in public school and all of that. When we were in Panama, actually, we met another family who homeschooled. And that kind of, I mean, we toyed with the idea of it, but we're like, oh, that sounds like so much work. I don't know how that would work for us. Let's, let's maybe kind of put that on the back burner. But when we met this family, they kind of inspired us to, to give it a try. So when we moved to Costa Rica, of course, we, we took them out of preschool and we started doing kind of the school at home thing, going from textbooks and trying to keep them up on the curriculum that, that the kids were following in school, uh, they were six and four by this point, uh, but it just wasn't really working for our family. The, there were, it, it was the, the, the way that we were, I guess, kind of forcing the things that we thought our kids needed to learn onto them when they weren't even interested in learning about that, it had a negative effect on our relationships and we realized that it just wasn't going to work for us. And so we started exploring a different ways to handle education in our home but that was that was kind of the start of it okay so i guess right off the bat we should probably get some definition on terms because and this is my fault more than anything i just kind of use a lot of these terms interchangeably can you tell the listeners maybe what the differences are between homeschooling world schooling non-schooling and any of these other terms that you might come across yeah, you know, it's interesting. There are various definitions, and I, I, I don't blame you for using them generically because most people tend to do that, and uh, I don't know that there is really a, a hard and fast definition for any of them. But the way that I like to define them, the way that makes sense to me, and, and uh, I do tend to hear, is homeschooling is kind of an umbrella for uh, school outside of the traditional uh, public-private education model. So it might be studying from textbooks at home, but it could also include, uh, in some forms, you might, uh, maybe unschooling would be under a category of homeschooling, uh, but that would be, unschooling is basically interest-led learning. That's more of what we've kind of evolved into, where there is no curriculum, but we encourage and support the children to learn the things that they're most passionate about and provide resources and help for that. Uh, world schooling, I would say is, and again, many people have different definitions on this, but uh, some people say it's it's kind of homeschooling plus travel, uh, you know, involving the world around you. But that doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, international travel, hopping from one country to another all the time. It could just be out exploring the world in your backyard more in depth than you might otherwise. Uh, 
So uh, it depends on how uh, strict you want to get on those terms, but that's kind of generally uh, how I would define those, those terms. Well, I've been telling people that I want to homeschool my kids long before I ever had a child myself. And I kind of created ideas in my head of things that would work. And one of the things was was combining the the travel with homeschooling. This was honestly long before I had ever heard the term world schooling or anything like that. But I just thought it was such an interesting concept that, say, if we were going to learn about history, let's learn about Greek history. And if we're going to learn about food, let's learn about Greek food. And if we're going to learn about language, let's learn about the Greek language. And then all as a family, let's all take a trip to Greece and see what it's like ourselves. Instead of just doing a project and just reading a book about it, why don't you go and experience the place itself? Um, you know, and this would go on and on with other countries and other places around the world and really do that immersive deep dive on the country. Um, and I just think that this would just be such an, in, like an interesting and fascinating for not just children, but even for me and my family, my wife, to learn about a place. Yeah, it's so much easier to go in depth and to get an overall feel for all aspects of a culture when you're actually there. Uh, and, and also, we know when you can supplement that with, with other resources, like you've mentioned. Definitely. So what has been some of the common pushbacks you've heard from people when you, you tell them that you are homeschooling or world schooling or you wanted to homeschool or world school your kids? Hmm. Well, there is the common... Uh, concern of, well, they're not going to know enough. I mean, how, how can you teach them? You know, you haven't been trained as a professional, you know, elementary or middle school teacher and, and all of the subjects that they need to learn about, how can you possibly teach them everything they need to know to survive in the world? And <laughs> I mean, I have a few answers to that, but um, one of them is that I feel like most of what I learned growing up in school, I it was kind of irrelevant uh, anyway, and I ended up forgetting it. So I, I feel like most of what uh, needs to be learned in order to survive and thrive in the world uh, either isn't taught in school or it, it doesn't necessarily need to be learned in that format. So the things that our girls are picking up along the way are coming naturally based on what's relevant for them in the moment and what they're passionate about, which means that they have the motivation to actually learn about it themselves. And we don't really even have to do much teaching. They'll research and learn a whole bunch of stuff all on their own. And then they come and tell us what they learned uh, because they are interested in it. So it, it's a kind of flipping education on its head. It's a student-led, interest-led learning rather than uh, teacher-driven or curriculum-driven learning that says this is what you need to know. So a lot of that qualification thinking that you have to have a special certificate to be able to do something special certificate to be able to teach yeah well i mean we live in in an age now where I mean, if you want to want to learn about something you can get on the internet and google it and there it is and you can take free courses from stanford if you want to go that far whatever you want there's so much information out there and high quality information both for free and paid that it's almost you know, making going to school for information irrelevant. I still see great value in good teachers who can help inspire and motivate students. But uh, if you're just looking for information, you don't need that to sit in a classroom with 30 other kids and be spoon fed at whatever rate the teacher decides is fair. You can go at your own pace and learn whatever you want to learn as long as you know how to read and write. Yeah, I, I find that reading, writing, and arithmetic, even just a basic level, you know, are the fundamentals. Once you know this, you can really teach yourself a lot of things. 
I stopped going to school at 12 years old. I'm an, I'm an autodidact. I read more than 100 books a year. I don't think anyone in the world would ever call me stupid. Um, but, you know, like, I didn't do very much traditional education. I didn't go to school for very long. I taught myself because I knew the, the, the cores, the fundamentals, and then I was able to do that from there. Yeah, so powerful. And, and I think it's easier to do that now than it ever has been. For me, I went to college for computer science, and I found 90% of the classes that I took were completely uh, either irrelevant to what I really wanted to learn, or they were so basic, they were almost useless. And I learned so much more just having a project to work on and developing it myself. Well, and just a moment ago, you mentioned the value of a very good teacher. But a very good teacher actually doesn't have to be in a classroom, one person standing in front of a blackboard, you know, talking to 30 people. A teacher can be a mentor. A teacher can be a coach. You know, I've had many mentors in my life. I, I work with a half a dozen right now. Some are, are paid, some volunteer their time. Some it's a, a value exchange. Actually, most times it is a value exchange. It doesn't need to be... Uh, so rigid in what we normally think of as a teacher. Absolutely. Most of my early teachers were just books. Like, like you mentioned, you love reading. Uh, but my daughter has, my oldest daughter, she's 15 now, but she has self-chosen several mentors over the years. There was a time when she was really interested in singing and songwriting and she was writing uh, these beautiful songs. And we were just really impressed with what she was doing. And she, she knew she wanted to take that further to a more professional level. And she Googled and found this professional singer-songwriter who lives in L.A. And she was able to uh, be able to get weekly lessons with her uh, over Skype. And for years, they studied together. And she got so good at singing songwriting. And she has several songs up on iTunes and Spotify now. And it's just, it was, it's been so fun to see her progress in that way through selecting her own, her own mentor, her own teacher. And, and they still have a great relationship today. So really that interest-based learning that we briefly touched on before, she chose what she wanted to learn. She went out there and found the, the, the person to teach it to her and came to her parents and said, this is what I want to do. And you were able to support that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's the same right now. We're here in Bali at the moment and she wanted to learn Indonesian better. And so she found an Indonesian teacher here and she is taking Indonesian lessons. And that teacher also happens to, to uh, have a partner who teaches biology. So uh, she's also taking biology classes now because she loves the teacher. And so it's a pretty fun experience for her. But these are all things that she has directed herself. Well, and a lot of the other pushback that I've gotten when I tell people that I want to homeschool and world school my daughter is like, what about university? What about, you know, having a job one day and, and, and not having the qualifications to be able to do this? Or do you ever get questions like this? Yeah, I do. Uh, and have thought about it quite a bit. I, I feel like there's two ways to answer that. One is if you want to go to university uh, as a world schooler, as a homeschooler, that's no problem at all. You just take the ACT or the SAT or you go to one of the universities that allows you to, uh, to just join classes as a teenager. And then you get your degree and you transfer to another university or, or however. There's so many ways to do it uh, and so many universities around the world that uh, make it easy. It's not as hard as people think it is. Uh, and, but there are some strategies that you do need to know. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's definitely possible. Uh, the other thing is if you 
want to go to university, think about why, again, questioning yourself and the intention, why do you want to go to university? Is it because you want to learn something in a new way? Is it because you want, you think that's the path to get a job? I mean, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, then yeah, you probably do need to go to university and get that degree for that. But um, it's not required in order to make a living these days. I mean, even Google and uh, Apple, I think, are hiring people without college educations because they're just hiring them based on their experience and their, and their knowledge and their expertise. Um, our daughter, our youngest daughter, our oldest daughter, sorry, she's 15. And she, for the past two years, has had a video editing business. And she has a number of repeat clients, happy clients. She just launched her first, uh, released her first documentary project on the pollution problem here in Bali that was such a great education for her. But I mean, these, these are things that I'm seeing her make money already as a teenager, as an entrepreneur. And that's kind of a path that we're encouraging our kids in is entrepreneurship. Uh, but it's just one option, you know, University is possible for world schoolers, absolutely. Well, I think it's crazy because a lot of times people will go to business school to learn business from someone who has never opened a business. And it's like, that's that just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I want to learn from someone who's actually done it, someone who has built something with their own two hands. If you want to learn how to make money, I don't think you, that you need to go to college for those things. But yes, you know, I, I don't want to go to a dentist, perhaps, uh, you know, who just learned from YouTube videos how to be a dentist to, to play with people's teeth. You know, I don't want to have open heart surgery. Okay, fine. I, I, will, I will give you that one. But if, if your goal is to learn how to make money and, and to be an entrepreneur and create something, I would argue that college is probably not the best place for you anyways. So as, as, you, as you pointed out, ask yourself first, what are your intentions? Absolutely. And what a great opportunity for kids to be able to explore even in their in their early years or teen years trying to create a few a few businesses and having some of those minor failures along the way as a learning opportunity uh, how much more prepared will they be to to create something even greater in their adulthood well and we could probably have an entire interview just about um, failure you know I, I look at the ways that schooling and standardized testing uh, conditions people to, to teach them that failing is a bad thing. When I would argue in, in most instances in life, failing is a necessary skill, like how to overcome obstacles, how to learn from your own mistakes, how to learn from mistakes of other people, and, and try things for the very first time. You know, If you, if you condition out of people um, an intention to, to, to try something, to explore something for the first time, we're going to have a very stagnant economy, I would argue. Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to crush that. You've got to keep the love of learning alive, keep the, the passion alive. So going back to, I, I don't know, lack of a better word, like common misconceptions, I suppose, um, have you had a lot of pushback from people about socialization? Yeah, that's a that's a common concern as well, and it's one that we have also been concerned about. There, I think it's one of our biggest challenges, or has been, in that as we travel, we meet so many amazing people, and often because we both know that we're only going to be together for a short time, whether it's weeks or months, uh, we tend to go deep really quickly, and we don't spend a lot of time on small talk or the weather or whatever. We ask questions that are that are more meaningful to us and, and sometimes even life-changing for us. 
But the challenge is that after those weeks or months are up, one or both of us move on and we have to say goodbye. And yeah, we can still keep in touch online and we do uh, a lot of the time, but that is a hard element of it, especially as the kids have gotten older and they've made good friends, saying goodbye to them is a challenge. So there have been a few times when they've expressed interest in either going to a school so they can see their friends every single day and and make that more long-term or just staying in a place longer. And so we've, we've given them that opportunity. They've been to uh, not necessarily public school. They've been to some alternative schools uh, and some democratic schools in, in various places we've been. But uh, the most recent was actually here in Bali. Um, they, they they had some some of their friends who were teenagers and they formed kind of a study group here. They would meet together three, four times a week, uh, run through different textbooks and uh, just, and then have independent study time to just learn whatever they wanted. But it's funny, my, my middle daughter, after a few weeks of that, she's like, I, I feel like I just learned so much better on my own. It's hard being in, in the room with my friends. I'd rather just play with them. If I'm sitting there and they're, we're trying to work, it's, it's just a distraction. So, so she decided to opt out of that and use uh, her time with friends to play rather than to study. Fair enough. So do you guys often come back to the same place when you're traveling? I know that you've been to Bali many times. Yeah, there are a few places we like to come back to. Bali is one. We have a home base here. We, we rent out when we're gone. Uh, San Miguel de Allende, Mexico is another place we love and, and go back to regularly. Um, you know, there, we'd love to go. We love Japan. We haven't been there as often as we'd like to. We're planning a trip next year. So there are a few spots, but um, often we'll also, at the moment, our travels are mostly revolving around the events that we're running. So this summer, we're going to, um, to Europe. We'll be doing a road trip around Germany, Austria, uh, Prague, and then running our retreat in Romania that we're doing. And so part of that trip, besides the retreat, is also to scope out potential venues for Family Adventure Summit in, in 2020. Well, perfect, because I want to learn more about your event. So why don't you give me a bit of a breakdown of how these work and, and maybe even a little bit of the history, because I, w- I want to know how something like this was created. Yeah. So Family Adventure Summit was the first event we created. This is, um, it started back when, well, we were here in Bali and we had spent, oh, I don't know, we've been traveling for seven, eight years, something like that, and spending a lot of time introspecting. I have like a four-hour workweek business. Uh, now, Actually, now it's a one-hour workweek business. So plenty of free time to just introspect and go to retreats and write and do all these things. And I just, I reached a point where I'm, just realized I'm doing so much for myself and my own personal development, but what am I doing for other people? And also at that moment, I was also feeling what you were talking about earlier with that kind of lack of connection. We were making so many great friends, but they were always in different places. And um, I just, I missed a lot of them. I wasn't really sure how to resolve this issue, but as we continued traveling, we continued meeting so many people who would approach us and say, man, I, I would love to do what your family is doing to travel with my family and spend more time together. And, and, and things like that. And I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I could actually do something with this. I mean, I, I have ideas. I have, I can offer support and, and my own thoughts on and encouragement, but what would it be like if we were to get all of these people together who are really wanting to take a different direction in their lives, maybe to find a location, independent income source, to world school their kids, to travel more, and then bring also all of these people who are, you know, have been traveling for years or who are, are doing different things with their lives and put them all together in the same room and provide just amazing support and encouragement and community for each other. 
And so that was the beginning of Family Adventure Summit. We did our first event in Penticton, British Columbia, Canada, and had about 200 people there. Your first event, you had 200 people? Yeah, we did. That's incredible. Wow. It was so fun, too. Like, it was just such an energizing event. It's it's different from, um, like, a standard business event where you'll go and you'll sit in a room and you'll exchange business cards and that kind of thing because we it's a family event, first of all. So we, ha- we do have, you know, keynotes and roundtable discussions and an unconference and, and a lot of opportunity to uh, to listen and to learn and also to share and, and uh, be able to support each other. But at the same time, the kids have their own awesome thing going. So uh, the kids program for the kids, well, the first year was slightly different. Now uh, we've organized it a little bit more. We have 400 people now, so we have to organize uh, quite a bit to make this work. Uh, yeah, our second year was in, was in Mexico last year, San Miguel de Allende, and we had uh, 400 people there. This year in Bali, uh, in October, we'll have uh, 400 as well. That's the max we can hold. And we're almost sold out. So um, I'm sure we'll hit that. Um, but anyway, the kids program, each of the children can select kind of a, a track or a camp to go down. For example, we have a full musical theater production uh, opportunity in uh, at, at the Family Adventure Summit. So over four days, the kids work on putting together this amazing drama production with music and acting and dance and a whole bunch of things. And the kids who are interested in that can participate in that and then they perform it at the end. Uh, We also have a tech crew. So do they, do they write it and then perform it? Or is this something that's already set? Like how much, how much parent interaction is in this? Or is this something they really create themselves? So we have a, a two amazingly talented um, theater whizzes who have uh, who are in the process of working on scripting it. We do a different play for each place we're in. Last year, it was we did it around Day of the Dead in Mexico. We were doing it over that holiday, so they incorporated so many of the Mexican in, in, Mexican elements, and they taught the kids in Spanish and, and music. And uh, so this year, it'll be more Bali and Indonesia focused. So that's it's pre-written, but there are aspects of it that the kids contribute ideas and share their own lines and different things. So it's it's a co-created. Um, uh, script, but to yeah, to to provide a better structure for it, and also to be able to do it in four days. Uh, most of it is pre-written. But that's so interesting because my head is already turning about all the learning opportunities there. So by actually doing it themed to the location that they're in, they can actually learn about uh, the culture of the country that they're visiting. And wow, like I'm sorry, gears in my head are turning right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much fun. And I mean, in addition to that, we also have art and music and a technology camp for the kids who want to learn video editing or programming or whatever they're, they're passionate about there on the tech side. We have a sports crew for kids who just want to kick balls around and, and, and do or even learn, you know, Balinese games and, uh, you know, different types of activities like that. So there's there's a whole big kids program, 200 kids there doing that. Sometimes they're all together. Sometimes they break out into these different camps. And then we, they meet up with the parents at different times during the day to do things as well. So it's so much fun to put this event on. That, that's the very, um, the, yeah, the first event that we started back in 2017. This will be our third year. Okay. And so I, I'm, I want you to paint me a picture. What does this look like? This is like a music conference with people in tents everywhere. This is people in hotels. This is a bit of both. What, how do, I, I, I want to understand a picture of this. I want to I know what this looks like. 
Well, this depends on the venue. Um, the past two years, it has been at a hotel. So there will be a big ballroom where everyone comes in the morning and we do kind of an opening and stuff like that. And then the kids and parents separate and the parents will have maybe three or four different rooms where they can choose from various sessions or there's a keynote or whatever is going on. And then the kids will have a big outdoor space for some of their stuff. And then they will have, you know, separate rooms or separate spaces, sometimes indoor, sometimes outdoor for the different activities that they're doing. And they will choose that. Um, we try to do it in places where the weather is good. So it's no problem being outside. Um, here in Bali, it's very interesting because everything is open. So there's no walls on any of the rooms. <laughs> so it's much more spread out than at past conferences, but it's at this beautiful hotel. It's, it's called the Arma Resort. It's one of the most beautiful uh, hotels in Ubud. And it's just gardens and rivers and bridges and beautiful architecture and huge trees everywhere. So uh, it's, it's quite a walk to get from one area to another. So we're keeping the kids all in one spot so they don't have to meander and get lost. And there are separate tents set up in that kid's area. And it's a very big area and as well as that's where the stage is. And then there are, yeah. And the adults are in different spots, but they're, uh, they're open, but they're far enough away that, um, that they can, they can't necessarily hear each other unless it gets super loud, but yeah, they're not, uh, only the kids have the tents this year, but as far as where people are staying, there are some rooms at this resort that people are staying at, but other people are coming and renting an Airbnb for a couple months or staying at different hotels or yeah, lots of options. Okay. And now talk to me a little bit about what are the adults doing in this time? What are they learning or, or, uh, experiencing while they're going through this, while the kids are, have their own activities going on? Yeah. So the, the parents topics have a very broad, uh, focus. So, uh, the keynotes are, we've tried to arrange to be something that would be interesting to everybody. We have a diversity expert coming to talk on intercultural diversity and, uh, we have someone talking about world schooling and, and specifically we have others talking about volunteering, uh, and, and s several interesting, uh, types of keynotes, that, that type of uh, topic there. We, once we get into the sessions and the round tables, we get a lot more specific on, you know, ways to fund your travel adventure and earn money online or different uh, strategies, things like that. We had like a tax planning session last year, um, for expats, that kind of thing. Um, there will be there's topics on uh, relationships and on how to communicate well with kids uh, as a family, um, how to become more aware of your own emotional state and, and be able to enjoy the journey of life more fully. Um, I mean, any, any topic really that's related to living intentionally uh, is we, we try to provide space for it, including even just locations. You know, we're, we're planning this year to do something a little bit different, and that is to have uh, we're not sure we're doing this yet, but we're, we're dreaming about it, I guess. Uh, it, kind of like we're, uh, someone described it as kind of like speed dating where you have a, a several tables set up, but each, each table would be like for a different country or a different city. And then people can go to the ones that they're interested in and learn, you know, kind of the tips and tricks really quickly about what to do in that place and how to make it a meaningful experience, that type of thing. So all of that is happening at the event, but then we also have an unconference session where if you have a question that you want answered or you want to lead a discussion on a certain topic, you can put it on the board, people vote on it, and then people who are interested in those topics meet together and discuss. 
So that kind of gives you an overview, I guess, of, of what goes on at Family Adventure Summit as far as the adult sessions. Wow. It's super interesting. Now, you mentioned for a second time intentional living. I guess this is a good time to, to break this down. What does this mean to you? Yeah, um, it's really, it, it's, it's about not saying there's one right way to live for anybody. This is, this is one of the things that travel has taught me. Uh, I grew up thinking I knew the one right way <laughs> to live and the one right way to be and believe and all that. Um, but realizing that it's different for everybody and it's even different for me at different times in my life. So it's really for me about tuning in to what it is that is true for me now, what it is that I want to create and what's meaningful and then making that a part of my life and, and focusing on that. So that's all. So trying to understand perspective, I suppose, from other people's point of view. Yeah, it's uh, definitely including that. Um, but I, I think for me, intentional living is, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely you want, uh, for me, I, I appreciate seeing as big of a picture as I can. But as far as the choices I'm going to make in my life, they, they need to be driven from inside. It's, I mean, I think a lot of people, and I've done this so many times, I look at somebody, I'm like, wow, that looks amazing what they're doing. I want to do that without really looking, is, do I really want to do that? Why do I want to do that? You know, what, what am I hoping to gain from that? Uh, and, and then as asking myself those types of questions to, to ensure that, you know, it's, it's really going to bring me the fulfillment that I'm hoping it will. Interesting, because the first thought that came to mind, actually, when you said intentional living was more not to be reactionary, because I find that this it happens so much, so many times, um, you know, in life and in business, everything is reactionary. You just, um, your your actions are just based on what is happening to you, opposed to going out there and and, and making creating your life the way that you want it. So it's interesting to hear an aspect of that, but also a lot deeper than that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I mean, I've never described, I've never really been asked that question before. So uh, it was interesting to kind of ask myself how I'd answer that. Well, no, I respect you for that because I'm really putting you on the spot here. This is not, uh, not necessarily an easy thing. And, and sometimes it is very difficult to explain something that you've never had to, to put into words before. Maybe you know and understand something in your head and in your heart but actually trying to formulate it and explain it to someone else can be challenged. So I congratulate you for, for opening up and for trying. Yeah, thank you. I like being challenged. <laughs> so, okay, let's circle back a little bit because I'd want to understand more about the world schooling um, and, and a world schooling event. Uh, talk to me about the type of people that you traditionally have had at your events. All right, yeah. So there are a number of people who are interested in this type of event. Uh, typically, we will get a good portion of them who have already been traveling. For example, our first event, and even our, our last event, over 50%, actually the, the first event over 70%, um, but last year we had double the people, over 50% of the people who attended last year immediately booked for the following year. So we get a lot of repeat uh, families because they just have such a great time and they make such good friends. They want to see those friends and make, keep those connections. It, it's at least one time a year where, you know, you can kind of have a big family reunion and, and meet up with the people you've seen on the road. Um, 
But they're also the people who are coming are also those who are kind of curious about it, testing the waters. Some of them have big families. Some of them have no kids at all, and they're just exploring the idea: what would it be like if we were to do this? And let's meet some other people who are doing it. We've got people there who are, you know, millionaires and just, you know, crushing it in their business and in their life. And we've got people who are still working nine to five and trying to figure out, you know, how they how they can make a shift. So it's kind of a, a big spectrum. But the common thread is that each of them want to want to live inspirationally. You know, they want want to do something more inspiring with their life. And do you have people usually from all over the world, or is it mostly North Americans who attend the events? Last year, it was mostly North Americans because it was in the the Northern Hemisphere, or uh, sorry, in North America. Uh, this year in Bali, we're getting a lot more Australians, a lot more Europeans, um, but it's it's a good mix. Well, I think it's so important that people understand if this event is for them or not. Like, if it's just for Americans or if it's just for people who have an online business. I want to understand, you know, if, if my listeners are, are hearing this episode and they're wondering, you know, will they feel welcome? Is this, is this the type of event? Maybe they don't even homeschool their kids right now. Are they going to be welcome in an event like this? My new book, Expat Secrets, is based on my own experiences from traveling to more than 100 countries over the last 20 years of being an expat. There is no fluff in this book, just actionable advice from someone who leads this type of lifestyle every single day. So if you want to pay zero taxes, live overseas, and make giant piles of money, then I want you to grab a copy of my brand new book, Expat Secrets, on Amazon today. Just go to expatsecretsbook.com. That's expatsecretsbook.com. Yeah, you know, this this kind of goes back to our whole world schooling philosophy is it's really the event is about just supporting and encouraging people in whatever way they're, they want to go in life. So if you come to the event and you don't even really want to travel long term, uh, maybe you don't even want a world school, you just want to do something a little different with your life. This is about heart-led living. So uh, this is just to encourage you to shine in the way you want to shine. So we were a very inclusive community, a very welcoming group. And we have people from all over the world, uh, dozens of countries. Um, I'm not sure how many this year uh, will come, but um, a lot of people, especially being in Bali, will have a lot from Australia, a lot from Europe, a lot from around Asia, as well as America and Canada and elsewhere, and Mexico even. I have some Mexicans coming from <laughs> who caught wind of us last year and loved it. Um, so it's, it's the kind of event where you can come and just be yourself and really feel like you're supported. Um, we have, you know, we'll have talks, like I mentioned, on, on diversity, uh, and that includes everything from race to gender identity and any of those topics that, you know, can kind of, some people can feel out of place in modern society, but this is a place where you can really come and be yourself. At least that's the environment that we are really trying to create. Well, I love it because I'm a huge conference goer. I love going on, going to conferences. I speak on stage sometimes, but all of mine are so serious. They're so like, I do like marketing conferences and offshore conferences, like business stuff. And my wife and my daughter, they stay at home, you know, 
being able to an, attend an event where you are still learning and educating, but being able to incorporate them and make it a family affair, I think is just so fascinating. Like I'm, I'm already excited. I want to come to one of your events, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, we've had people say that. So we talked a lot about the world schooling event for the family, but you actually have a second event for the parents to teach them this type of thing. Can you break this down for me a little bit and help me to understand how this looks? Yeah, so Family Adventure Summit, as you mentioned, is for families. And we have another event because, because this is requires international travel. You, to come to this, you got to fly all the way to Bali. And, you know, it can take several, it, it, it takes a good chunk of time. You have to plan for it. It's a, a long flight from the States, from, from a lot of places. Family, so there's another event we created. We realized a lot of people before they're ready to step out the door in that way and make that kind of a commitment, they want something that... Um, a little more assurance, a little more help, a little more handholding to know how do I do this? How do I educate my kids? How do I, you know, save money on travel? How do I do all this stuff before maybe stepping out the door in such a drastic way? So we created uh, a new event that's actually launching this year called Family Adventure Academy. This year, it's going to be in August 16th through 18th in Seattle, Washington. So we wanted to make it in the States easy for a lot of uh, Americans and Canadians to get to. And this is an event where it's a three-day deep dive into all of these topics related to world schooling. So we'll cover, we'll spend a full day on all of the travel logistics and all of the, the tips and tricks we've learned about how to save money on the road. We'll do a full day on funding your travel adventure and how to earn income in various ways and really creative ways sometimes um, to be able to fund your travel adventure. We'll spend a whole day on education and how to handle all the different world schooling philosophies and really identifying which one resonates most for you and your values and your family and how you want to take your, your family's educational journey from birth up to university, if that's where you choose to go. And then all woven throughout is a focus on how to create a deep and meaningful uh, connection, connecting relationship with your family and also with the other people that you meet along the road, road in your travels. And this is an event that. I'm really excited to do, and we it's, it's, we've, it's not just me running it. We've actually brought on uh, a lot of the team from Family Adventure Summit to run it. We have decades of combined family travel experience and a bit of diversity in how we've all done it. And so it's kind of a, a cool group to just be able to, to be in. And with it, it's, the structure is a lot different than Family Adventure Summit. So where Family Adventure Summit is you're hearing from a whole lot of different speakers for an hour here and an hour there on a, a broad range of topics. Family Adventure Academy is a very structured, deep dive into all of these topics where we just download to you everything. And, and then we have opportunities for introspection, for writing, for group coaching, and to just make sure it all sinks in and you come away with a plan to really take your next steps and where you want to go. So this would be ideal for the family who's not really sure if this is the right life for them, want to understand more about it, and then basically have a roadmap of how they can put these types of concepts into place in their own life. That's right. It's either for those who are kind of wanting to maybe dip their toe on the, in the water, they're not sure, or they're for families who are absolutely ready to get out the door, but they just need some help, need some, they just want want to not have to spend, you know, weeks and months and months researching and figuring out all these things, but just come to one place, get it all and get ready and go.
Well, I think it's so important to be around like-minded people and to learn from people directly. Like, I love the internet. Absolutely love it to death. And I think it's incredible. It's, it's the greatest invention in human history. But it's so easy to fall down the rabbit hole of, of looking for information or reading and researching. You know, there's so much stuff out there. It's not a lot of times that there's not the information out there. It's where do you find it? What questions do you ask? Like, I'm sure there's so many topics that are brought up at your events that people would never even think to ask. So therefore, how could they ever search the internet or, or, or find the answers to these problems that they're having? Yeah, we've had people say that. They say, we've found answers to questions that, you know, we, we, we tried to find these answers online and we couldn't find them online. And, and you guys answered them here or questions, yeah, that we didn't even know to ask. And, and they come away feeling so much more prepared. Okay, Brendan, so we've talked a lot about the events, and they sound super exciting. But what about for a portion of my listeners who are not sure that they want to jump on an airplane and go to a multiple-day event to learn about this thing? Is there anything that they can do, like, right now, today, to start knowing and understanding more about the world schooling movement? Well, I think first, and this is just my own opinion, but I think first... It's again going back to looking at your yourself, your own life, your own family life. How fulfilled are you as a family? How connected do you feel to your children? And do you feel there needs to be a change made? So if if you're content, if you're feeling like, yeah, you know what, I can live in American suburbia or wherever I happen to be, and and I'm able to structure my life in such a way that I am actually loving the way that I'm connecting with my kids. I'm loving the things we're doing together. I'm loving the time we're spending together. I'm loving how they're progressing in their education. They're loving it. Our relationship's good. Then, yeah, maybe, maybe you don't need to, to go travel the world together. Maybe that's not your thing. Uh, but if there is something else calling to you that uh, either it's, you know, you want a deeper connection with your kids or you just feel like, you know, maybe, maybe you're stuck in a, in a rut or like, like I felt or just in a bubble where it's like, I, I'm, I want to know what the world is like outside of this, this only place I've ever lived. And to kind of expand my horizons a little bit, expand my kids' horizons a little bit and, and get a more global perspective. Um, it's an amazing opportunity. So if you're looking to, to take that route, I mean, if you're not ready to jump on, on a plane to go to an event, uh, but you are ready to jump on a plane to go somewhere else, uh, you know, do the research, figure out a place that's inspiring for you. And, and, and maybe you could do what I considered or what I did uh, to take that six week uh, test the waters trip to Panama, like we did. I mean, you could do it anywhere, somewhere that, that, that calls to you. And it doesn't have to be six weeks, but see what it's like to spend 24 hours a day with your family and see how that changes you and see what it's like to be, to be doing new things together, or even just shaking up your routine by by just doing something completely different in a different place. I found that has, has been, even if it's not in a different country, uh, just being in a different location, a different environment, a different home um, can have a big impact on how we relate to each other as a family, the way we think. So that would be one suggestion. Well, I remember when I was traveling through Central and South America and this was back in early, early 2000s, and I was hitchhiking and backpacking through Central and South America. And I got on the phone with my brother, and I was, I don't know, three years younger than me, and I wanted to get him out traveling with me. And I was 
giving him all these ideas like, okay, I was in Colombia at the time. Why don't you come down to Colombia and, you know, we can travel around this area and we can go to Ecuador. No, no, it's, it's too dangerous and I don't like it. Okay, well, I'll be in Argentina in a couple of months and, and we can go that way and we can go to Patagonia and we can, we can check out the scenery and everything like that. No, no, it's too far. I don't know. Okay, well, how about this? How about that? No, 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 no. Okay, well, how about New Zealand? How about we get a working holiday visa in New Zealand and we can travel around and see the mountains and live on the beach for a while? And, and his response was like, yeah, I think I could do that, you know? And, and this just goes to your, your point about people often have a destination or a place or a romantic idea in their head of where they would like to go. So, you know, that for my brother was his first international trip. Now he's been to 20, 30 countries around the world and we traveled together uh, as brothers for something like four years, um, you know, living in the same apartment and, and traveling together. And it is incredible to travel with your family, um, you know, whether that be your kids with your spouse, with a sibling, um, and I would also invite my listeners, you know, maybe you've traveled a lot, but your partner hasn't or, or the person you want to travel hasn't. Find out what that place is for them that is really special in their heart and, and make an, an effort to, to go and explore that. I think that really opens the doors a lot. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a world schooling mindset, even just that. Just what, what, what are you driven to do? Where, what, what, is, what are your passions calling you to do? And, and just following that. Well, I think I've been so fortunate because for me, I've been on a lifelong goal to visit every single country in the world. So if it is a new country for me, I'm game. It's like, uh, that's all it takes for me. So, you know, my wife wants to go to Serbia this year. It's like, cool, let's go. You know, my brother wanted to go to New Zealand back in 2002 or 2004 or whatever it was. Okay, let's go. So I'm very easygoing in that regard, um, you know. And being able to, to experience something like that with someone for the first time where they do international travel, I think is so magical. And, and being able to do it with your child, like my daughter is three years old. She's been to 11 countries now. That's going to be a, a part of her life. And, and watching as she experiences things for the first time, I think is, is so fantastic. And I imagine with you having three kids and being on the road for 10 years, you must just have so many incredible stories and experiences with your family. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's a great journey. And, you know, to the point of traveling with other people, I find that to be such a great way to enhance relationships. One of the challenges after traveling was, you know, we, we left our extended family behind. Um, but there have been moments when they have come to travel with us or come to stay with us for a week or two. And then we're together so much more and we go so much deeper than we ever did when we were living 20 minutes from each other and only seeing each other for a couple hours once a, or once a month or every month or two. So it's, it's interesting the power that travel has and being in new and sometimes challenging environments, uh, the, the effect that can have on our learning and on our connection. Well, and I suppose that when you know that you don't have unlimited time with people, you would tend to work harder to make a more meaningful connection. And going back to your points before about not just talking about the weather, not taking things for granted, you know, 
saying the things that you really want to say to someone and, and probably expressing how you feel. So when you come back and you see grandparents or aunts and uncles or, or friends and stuff like that, and you know you're only there for a couple of weeks, you're really going to use that time wisely. Yeah. And it, it feels like a little bit more of a special time too. It's like, oh, you're back, you know, <laughs> or we're back or however it is. And uh, it's, yeah, it, it just, in a way, it's a different energy than when we live there. Well, Brandon, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I think this is so fascinating and I really believe in what you're doing. And like I said earlier, I am definitely going to bring my family, my daughter and my wife to one of your events. If my listeners, they want to find out more about what you do, if they want to reach out to you, where can we send them? Yeah, the best place is our family travel website. It's called pierceonearth.com. Like Pierce, like my last name, P-E-A-R-C-E, onearth.com, where we have a list of uh, links to all of our events, Family Adventure Summit, Family Adventure Academy, our retreats. And uh, again, the next one coming up that you probably don't want to miss if you are looking to do this is Family Adventure Academy. So. Uh, if you're interested in checking that out, you can go straight to familyadventureacademy.com and, uh, and sign up there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Brendan. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, Mikhail. It's great talking with you. If secret gold vaults in Asia, offshore bank accounts in tax havens, investing in timber plantations in Central America, obtaining a second passport, speaking multiple languages, and first-class travel around the world excite you, then you must pick up a copy of my brand new book, Expat Secrets, on Amazon today. Just go to expatsecretsbook.com. That's expatsecretsbook.com. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.